Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, this is Chris Kirk at uh, Wild Blue Aircraft Sales, and thank you for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. So in this upcoming episode, uh, I have the, uh, the the real pleasure of interviewing and talking with my son, Ethan. So I'm doing this, uh, this little bit without him. Um, because I just wanted to kind of gush on him a little bit without embarrassing him. Ethan's 21 years old, and the kid is just absolutely full of life. Uh, my wife and I, Eric and I, have been blessed with two incredible kids, and, and I know a lot of you feel the same way, but I, I simply cannot imagine feeling or being any more proud of my kids than I am. Uh, Ethan is currently going through A&P school, so I thought it would be kind of fun to uh, interview him on what it's like to to get your A&P certificate, and then uh, he's also working for a local flight school in their maintenance department, kind of getting some apprenticeship hours in there as well. So uh, in any case, I hope you enjoy this, and by all means, please make sure that you subscribe and share. We would love any feedback that you can give us. Thank you. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. This is Chris Kirk at Wild Blue Aircraft Sales, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have uh, my son Ethan with us today, and he is currently uh, going through A and P school. So, Eman, as I affectionately call him, thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dad. So, um, tell everybody, you know, why you decided to go to A and P school. Well, for the past four years or so, um, I've been in the automotive world and it, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of good learning experience and it's actually helped me a lot and uh, kind of have an advantage over some of my peers moving into the aviation world. But uh, looking around in the automotive world, I didn't see anybody older than me that I really wanted to be. I didn't see anybody that I could go man, this is, this is what I'm looking forward to being in this field. And I started looking at A&Ps and I started looking at still being able to do something with my hands, but that would give me a, a better opportunity in life and, and more, uh, more of a broadened horizon, I guess, to do what I want to do and, and, and still, still work with my hands, but not be just a grunt for the rest of my life. You didn't want to work in an office? No, 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 I did not. You put me behind a cubicle and I would die. So he's always said that I don't want to work in an office. So just to give him a little bit of background on the car stuff, what were you doing? I was doing restoration. So I, I started about four or five years ago. I, I kind of just one day was like, you know, I think I'm going to try to learn all I can about cars. And I've always been intrigued with cars pretty much since I was little on our, our drives to school growing up, I would ask, uh, my dad, you know, what, how does, how does an engine work? I've always been intrigued on how stuff works and the most easily accessible and applicable way I could do that was with cars. And so I was nearing my 16th birthday and I was like, man, I really, I really just kind of want to have a cool car, but new cars are expensive. So I'll just go get an old car and fix it up. And that kind of led me down this year long thousands of dollar rabbit trail that has been my addiction to all things automotive. Uh, and I got a job in a shop in Independence and I was able to uh, 
gain a lot of practical knowledge and skills, learn how to use a ton of tools that otherwise I, I would not have ever been able to um, get the experience using. Uh, I learned how to weld over there, learned how to use a bunch of heavy machinery and uh, sheet metal stuff, which has been really helpful for aviation. Uh, learned some just a lot of practical stuff that is that is kind of like I said earlier, given me a, an advantage over my peers. So just for some context, this is one of those places where you take a car in in pretty poor state, and a couple hundred thousand dollars later, you'd get your car back. And uh, and it would be awesome. <laughs> it would be fantastic. We, I think one of my favorite cars that we did, which is actually a lower buck build, but. We built this uh, a lower buck build. Uh, yeah, a lower buck build, <laughs> and I and, and by lower buck I still mean probably about a hundred thousand dollar build. But it was this uh, green Buick, like a seventy four oh, Buick. Yeah, and I mean big twenty foot long boat of a car with a uh, absolutely huge big block Chevy with a, a ten seventy one blower that that made like over fifteen hundred horsepower. And it was just, it was so loud that the entire shop would shake and it was just, it was the coolest. And I mean, that was no paint. We didn't do any interior work or anything like that, but you know, that that's kind of the stuff that I like, the stuff that you can still drive, you can still go out and yeah. have fun with. You're not worried about scratching the paint or anything like that. And so that was the practical application of it. And I, I just love that. You guys had some neat cars and, and then you started getting cars. So uh, the first car... Ethan was really interested in cars, and we got you a 48 Chevrolet Fleetline. 48 Chevrolet Fleetline. Sat in the yeah. garage for a while. That was a fun car. Pretty neat car. I wish, looking back, I wish I would have, I would have finished it, but I just didn't have the, the knowledge, and it definitely pushed me to gain more knowledge, especially in the realm of rebuilding a reciprocating engine, uh, which is. Consequently, what I'm actually doing right now in my A&P classes is we're going through a block mm. on recip engines. And that has, again, given me kind yeah. of an advantage over a lot of my other peers because I understand the inner workings. And so I bought a, a shop manual and I, I sat down and I read front to back cover on that shop manual on how to re rebuild a small block Chevy V8 probably 20 different times. And then I just went out and I, I did it. And now I've rebuilt uh, from the ground up probably four or five or six of those uh, in between Chevy, Chevrolet and Ford V8s. Yeah, so you've got in your garage. Uh, I've got two cars. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've got two cars. I've got a, a 62 Ford Falcon uh, two-door wagon, which is a pretty pretty special car, and that'll be something I'll, I'll never get rid of. And then sitting in front of that, which I'm just about three, two or three weeks away from being able to take my first drive in it, is my uh, 64 Mercury Comet that has got a new engine and a new transmission and a whole bunch of other fantastically expensive yeah. parts, which, which I say that, but nothing quite compares to the aviation world of expensive parts as I've been slowly finding out. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about Ethan and, and he actually had some friends like this, but you know, young twenties, um, young adults, and they, uh, they, they love cars and they love working on stuff with their hands and, Unfortunately, I think that's kind of a lost art because a lot of people, including people my age and, and even younger, um, you know, they, they don't know how to work with their hands. They, they, they really just have no no physical skill set that they can apply. And so I think learning this stuff, you know, you and I have always talked about there's a point in time when 
your body may not hang on. Uh, so, you know, we, we've had that conversation a number of times. But so you decided that you wanted to go into A&P school. And so kind of give a background on where you're going. And then you've been doing this for what, eight months now? Just about eight months. Uh, got married in August and then uh, started school in September. Um, and it's it's been an interesting ride. It's been, I think I have learned more being with uh, the, the shop that I currently work for in the aviation field, actually being present and just listening to the guy, what the guys tell me, what these other AMPs and IAs have to say than I actually have in the classroom. Um, and that kind of brings me back to something from your last question and something you were saying is that that lost art, that lost practicality, that lost skill set. I think that's that's one of the uh, things that shows up most common in my classes is as much as I would love to learn more from the book and more from what they're teaching me in class. I feel like I'm not getting as much because everything is just do this step by step by step. And it has nothing to do with skill or application or practice and and so I think that's kind of a disadvantage from just going to school. So if you're just going to school, getting your ANP, I would recommend going out and trying to find a job in the field because it backs up what you're learning in school and it gives you so much more knowledge and so much more of a, of a diverse skill set. Gets you in the manuals more, it gets you in the log books more, it gets you looking at ADs more, it looks you getting right. at service bulletins more, it looks, you know, you get into all this stuff that you just wouldn't get into in school now because they've dumbed down school and dumbed down school and dumbed down school for years and years and years and now it's just you go through, you do the projects, you do the homework and you're done for the day. And and you, learn, you learn enough to, to pass the test. Yeah. And it's you're, what you're getting there is really just a license to learn. And that that is ex, that is exactly it. And um, after talking to a, a numerous AMPs out in the field, they're really disappointed with what they see coming out of schools like the school that I'm going to. Yeah. And it's because stuff now they tell you maintenance manuals have everything. They have everything. They have and and sure, absolutely. If you're working on an A330. Airbus will tell you flat out, do this, remove this panel, remove this screw, take this off, right. remove this, replace that. And then it'll tell you in the exact opposite order, every single step. Whereas a, a Cessna 172 manual will just say, replace the part. Right. And then everything, you know, up into replacing that part. And after replacing that part, you have to have the practical skill set to actually be able to do. So even though you have, um, you know, when, you, when are you going to get your license? How long? I should be getting my license about this time next year. Uh, I, I just got word that I'm with the same instructor next block that I was this block. And um, either way, I'm, I'm one block into my airframe and I'm one block into my power plant. There's 11 blocks for airframe. There's uh, five or six blocks for power plant. And then there was five for generals. So... If I go and do, if this next block is power plant, I'll finish my power plant first. So I'll, I'll go straight through power plant and then get my power plant license or power plant rating. And then if not, if I go into airframe, I'm going to do my best to try to make sure that I stick with airframe all the way until my airframe is done. Just because I'm allowed to take the tests after I'm done with all of the blocks right. of airframe, even if my power plant stuff is not ready to go. Okay. So. And so how many, how many people are in your class? This block, there's 25. We started out uh, in my pod of people that started out at all the same time because there's new uh, people that rotate in about every 
five weeks or so. So I think we started out with 11. Of those 11, there are five of us, six of us maybe, that have, that have, that have stayed. And even of those oh, wow. six, even yeah. of those six, I still see probably one or two of them not finishing the program. So out of 11, you've had an attrition rate of nearly 75%. Yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy and and a lot of it's you can't miss a certain amount of days in a 5-week period and then and then when that 5-week period is if you like miss 4 days at the beginning of the block, you're out for the rest of that 5 weeks. And a lot of people find that really deterring. And so then they just give up if they miss like one block. And then you have other students that don't have a good mechanical aptitude to say. And they just... Just not for them. It's just it's just not for them. And hmm. and that's probably for the best for the aviation community yeah, too. So. sure. It's a shame though because they spend a lot of time and it takes a lot of time to... And it takes to a lot of there. money. I mean, this is this is not a... It's not a it's not a cheap program by any means. And I was talking to other, you know, my coworkers and it's like if there is a, another way without just being in the field, because you can work as a, a repairman or an apprentice for 18 months and then uh, get a, a certificate from whoever you're working for and then go take your tests. But that's not going to that teach you all the little intricate book stuff that the books are going to teach you. But then, however, on the flip side of that, if I were just to do that then my or on practical would come up and I'd probably do really good right. on my or on, pro- or on practical. Whereas somebody that was just in school would do really, really good on their tests. And typically as we see, there's not, when people get to that oral and practical stage, either they don't do their oral and practical and they never get their A and P right. or they freak out and they get, they get really stressed out. And so then they start having to calm people down and be like, Hey, like, you know, you've, you've trained for this, so let's work through this, but you can definitely see that people are not as prepared for the, the O and P as hmm. they are for the written exams. Hmm. That's interesting. So of, of the, the ones that graduate, and I know you've looked at this from the, uh, the, the previous graduates, mm-hmm. where are they going? Oh, all over the place. We had a kid from the last, the last, uh, group of graduate students that went to Dubai. So they, uh, this sounds like stupid high dollar amount, but uh, $400,000 Dubai, which and paid credit card, which is about $120,000 US. He's getting paid to move out there, like a $25,000 sign-on bonus. And um, so he moved, he moved to Dubai and he'll be working on US air carrier stuff because he has his A&P. So if you work outside of the US, as long as you're not working on US aircraft, you don't, or aircraft that fly into the United States, you don't have to have your A&P license. But anything that flies through FAA regulated airspace, you have to have your A&P to work on it um, or be signed off hmm. by an actual A&P to do so. So where, where else are the other ones going? Uh, we've got some kids going to eat, looking at Eastern. Um, uh, American Airlines is is a, a, pretty, a pretty competitive rate. I know... Quite a few people have looked into going to Airshare, um, especially since they're moving their hub and planning mm-hmm. on expanding here in Kansas City. I think there's there's some students that would like to go to that. Um, but the hardest part for them in getting any of these jobs is the fact that they don't have any experience. Yeah. Our school tells us that our schooling counts for quote unquote one and a half year of or, you know, 
one and three quarters years worth of practical experience. And pretty much anybody that I've told that to in the field, they'll laugh in your face. Like that does not count as practical experience because you guys are doing things, you know, to learn, but you're not doing things as they're actually done sure. in the field. These things require repetition. They require Absolutely. you to, just like anything else you're learning, you you need to get out there and, and experience it and repeat it. Over Absolutely. Over I mean, we, we maybe look up AD compliance on stuff and uh, some type certificate data sheets, maybe once or twice a block. And every block I have to, when we do that, I have to kind of, if I wasn't in it at work or wasn't doing that on my free time, it would be hard to get on the FA website and go, okay, now where do I go? I go here, I go here. Okay. This is, this is where mm-hmm. I go. And then I have to figure all that stuff out again. So you're exactly right. It's, it's repetition for somebody like, you know, the IAs that are at work, you know, that man looking up AD compliance, that's like, that's like their specialty. They, they know what they're doing when it comes to yeah. that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's 100% about repetition. So how many of these, uh, these graduates, are going into like smaller GA roles. I don't mean, I don't mean the role is small. I just mean more like, you know, like the, like typical customers, like we work with, you know, they've got a, a personal airplane, a couple hundred thousand mechanic stuff. Yeah. Or they're just, you know, they're working for a shop. Yeah. A, um, not as many as I thought I would see, which is kind of a shame. There's a lot of people that have, that are going into the aviation world right now with the mindset of, I want to make as much money as possible, as fast as possible. And so they look immediately at, you know, like a flight school or, or just a, a for hire mechanic shop or something like that and see $25 an hour. And they're like, that's not enough starting pay. I'm going to go work for the airlines at $32 an hour plus a $20,000 sign on bonus but then they cap out in four years at like 35 or $36 an hour. So, and, and there are benefits and there are a lot of good things that you can get from the airlines, but I think you're kind of a number in their system. And I don't think you're treated as much of a, as a, as a person as you should be. And so that's kind of the flip side on GA. I think you're treated more as a, a human being and there's a little bit more flexibility and, yeah. and it's, well, that's the challenge. And those of you that are listening to this and have airplanes, you know that it, it, the challenge is, is having or is finding a mechanic anymore. Um, so many of them are so backlogged. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for uh, a, a shop to tell you when you get done with an annual, hey, you better schedule your next one now, because if you wait for six months, we're not going to have room for you. Yeah. And so I know Mike, I, I tell him he's usually not booked out that far in advance, but I usually tell him, hey, you know, just plan on me back, mm-hmm. plan on me back in a year. Um, but they all say the same thing. So when, when I get out and about and talk to some of these, these shops and then they hear what you're doing, mm-hmm. they're always like, Hey, have him come and talk to me, have him come and talk to me. Cause they need yeah. people really bad. Well, they need people and they, they, it's, it's crazy. Cause everybody needs people. It's not just one or two shops. I mean, it's absolutely everybody, even in, even going back to the automotive industry, the shop that I worked at great shop, well-respected throughout, you know, Mm -hmm. the world. Um, we've, we built gorgeous cars. We were booked out a year and a half, almost two years of backlog and we couldn't find mechanics. And it's, it's a little sad because I, you know, I've, you and mom have said this and a bunch of other people have said this, but I kind of have an old soul and, and people don't want to work as hard 
to accomplish stuff in life anymore. And so a lot of people look at mechanics and go, man, yeah, turn wrenches all day. Oh, yeah. I don't want to they, they do that. In like, uh, like I won't mention his name, but, uh, you know, a friend of mine here in Kansas city and I was in his shop the other day and, uh, he told me that somebody from actually from your school came in there and wanting, you know, had, had very little humility, which, uh, you know, how I feel about does, that does not get you very far. <laughs> that's for sure. And he went in and, and told him what he wanted to be paid. And, you know, and he's like, well, what? You, you got no experience. Yeah, nothing. You, <laughs> nothing. And again, back to back to what I was saying about the school saying, you, you know, this counts as a, a you know, a year and two thirds of practical application. Any shop owner, any interviewer is just going to laugh in your face when you say yeah. that 100% of the time. Because the first day in the job, you're going to be wide eyed like a, like a, you're going to be, you know, a deer in the headlights. You're not going to know what's going on. You're not going to know the inner workings of the shop. You're not going to know shop flow. You're not going to know your specific role in the shop. You're not, you're not going to even know where the freaking tools are. Yeah. Like, you know, nothing you are. And, and I was really lucky with the shop that I worked at ATD because I, I got there and they took the opportunity to invest in me. And so, you know, after I was there 60 or 90 days or whatever it was, I got a raise because, you know, I had learned and I had figured out the system and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't, I don't do near as much as everybody else does, but I know, I know my role and I, and I, I, I try to fit that role as, as best as I can. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Uh, you you have to understand what your limitations are, and and know that you know part of it is just self evaluation. Part of it's self awareness. Um, a lot of that's humility, and knowing that you're you need to walk in there and have the the mindset of learning and mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. And we see that we see that with mechanics, we see that with pilots, we see it with really anybody in any job. They'll, they'll at some point in time stop having that growth mindset. And then that's where they, that's where they peak out. You know, I, I call how do they make mistakes or they make mistakes, which yep. I think is a huge issue for being an A and P and especially for students that are coming out of school, gung ho shotguns ablazing, Like they think they know the world. And I think that is the quickest way to get yourself in trouble in this industry. Yeah. And not only because of the fact that it could have legal repercussions because you get yourself in over your head when you don't have the skill base or knowledge to do so, but the aviation world's a very tight knit community as I'm finding out. Like it's, it's, it's a very tight knit community. And if one person says you are a bad worker or, or you are not worth being, you know, the trouble of being, in, especially in GA, I'm not so sure about the corporate world and about the commercial world, but especially in GA, if, if, if one person within a hundred mile radius is like, this guy, don't let him work for you, it's going to be hard to find somebody right. unless they are really, really hard pressed, needing people that bad to, to work for you because they don't want to put that gamble. They've seen it happen at another shop, so they don't want to put the gamble in. Well, a lot of people your age and maybe even a little older, what they don't, they not understand, but they've never been through this is that, you know, this market too will change. And so we've got a very tight employment market right now where a lot of people are getting hired that might not otherwise. And at some point that will change. Mm -hmm. And so when that does change, uh, those people tend to float to the top in terms of the ones that are going to be considered for Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, alternate opportunities <laughs> um, <laughs> nice put it. be, you know, uh, before, um, before somebody else. And so it's a, you know, it's a good way to just keep in mind. So you've got, you've got this going on. Um, so what, 
what is your, you know, what's your end game? What do you want to see out of this? I, I, first off, I want to be a great A&P. That is, that is my first and foremost goal because I don't think any other of my aspirations can happen unless I'm a great or, or a very good A&P. Like, I, I'll ask a question to some of our RIAs at work and I'll be like, hey, you know, what, what is the key to getting your IA and stuff like that? And they all, every single one of them that I've asked that I know that's an IA is be a good A&P first. Mm-hmm. If you be a good A&P first, you follow the manuals, you're in stuff like you're supposed to be, you're doing what you're supposed to do. It will, it, you know, whatever else will follow. If you are being shady, if, if you're not doing things right, if you're kind of, you know, sweeping stuff under the rug, so to speak, it'll, it'll come back and, and, and bite you in the rear or it'll come back and bite somebody else in the yeah. rear. Or we used to see that in the Air Force where we'd have students that really knew how to play the brown nose game well but they couldn't fly themselves out of a paper bag. And so, you know, that, that game works for a while, but it, people get weary of it very quickly because yeah. you, you have to have that skill set. And one thing I want to bring up here is that I think Ethan's alluded to over and over again is the importance of having a, a good mentor. Oh, absolutely. To help you work through this. It's not unlike if you're, if you're building an airplane, you're, you know, you're building an experimental airplane, you know, one of the first things I'll tell you is don't do it by yourself. Go out and, and, Find a couple of people, at least one, but maybe a couple that can guide you, that can mentor you through. And this is the same thing. Never just check your work. Check your make, work. Make sure and... something makes sense before you put it together. Yeah. And we do that all the time. I mean, even the APs are like, hey, would you, you know, before we recal this, would you look in the engine bay, make sure I didn't leave any tools, I didn't leave anything disconnected? Because, you know, it, being an AMP is being thorough, but everybody's human, everybody makes mistakes, and yeah. everybody has left one tool in a cowling somewhere, and everybody's you know, probably not slept through the night one time going, Oh, I hope I didn't leave that in that cowling or I right. hope I didn't leave that in that engine. Cause that's going to be a problem if I did. Yeah. But I think you know, going back to your original question is my goals. I, I, I would like to see myself in a position of management. My senior year of high school working in that shop, I, I broke my arm and I very quickly found out that if you were in a manual label position and you get hurt, you have no form of income. And so I don't ever want to be in that same position again. And like we were saying earlier, your body will eventually give out, whether, you know, it, it genetics or you get hurt or something like that. The likelihood is that your body eventually will give out and you're not going to want to put in 40 hours a week down on your knees, laying on your back, lifting your head up, looking at inspection panels because it, it gets exhausting. I mean, I was mm-hmm. polishing an aircraft all day today and I was drenched in sweat after work. I mean, drenched in sweat. So I don't, I don't always want to be a grunt. And so I'm looking for opportunities to grow. And I think with the company that I'm at right now, I, I definitely see opportunities to grow with them. And I, I love working for them. They've been extremely, extremely good to me uh, and to Kaylee. It's, it's, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to work for them. And I haven't had a place that I've felt as at home as I do with mm-hmm. ATP. And so I, I would like to continue to grow. And again, since I've already got my foot in the door before having my license all the way, and I have my generals finished up, but before having my license finished, um, you know, I have kind of an edge on anybody that's coming out of school looking for something. And I think if I go through and get my CFI, my CFII, um, 
and my multi-engine rating and stuff like that, then my opportunities will vastly increase whether I stay with ATD or whether I create my own for hire mechanic shop or something like that. But um, I definitely, I will always be working on something. I'll always be working with my hands in some capacity. I just really hope when I'm 55, I'm not down on my knees turning wrenches for 40 hours a week because to me, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, but you can, being able to get down there and do it occasionally is, is gratifying. Kind of freeze the mind up a yes, little bit too. Yes. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's weird because I don't really love paperwork and I don't really love, I've never really loved or enjoyed reading, but that is what this industry is. It is sure. a lot of reading and it's a lot of paperwork, but I find myself enjoying it more and more because I enjoy the field that I am in more and more. So it's just the guys that I see that are really successful with their own shops are they're not their daily turning wrenches. They're I see them walking around the shop and they're kind of helping, they're advising, they will Mm -hmm. get down and they'll do stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they're also, you know, they're also running their business They're Mm -hmm. you know, and and they, uh, and and they're good business people. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't know if I'll do recip stuff or if I'll do turbine stuff. Um, one of the one of the weird things that uh, I don't think owners as often as they should recognize is the cost to do resip only stuff. The insurance for a resip engine shop or a resip mechanic shop is way more expensive than it is to work on turbine and stuff. And it because yeah. typically you know you don't see a commercial jet you know have a failure on landing as much as a student pilot in a recip has a failure on landing. So, yeah, you know. well, that's true. And, um, I just want to give, uh, without saying the full name, I want to give a kind of a, a quick, uh, acknowledgement to Tom Ethan's mentor, Tom and I have known each other for, well, we got kind of reacquainted maybe eight or 10 years ago, but we went to, to college together. And so Tom is, kind of taken Ethan under his wing. Yeah, Tom, Tom, Dave, and Gil have the three, the three guys I work underneath have been extremely instrumental in, in getting me as far and, and keeping me as on point as I am now. And Tom and, and Dave have been there to answer many a questions, many a time when I was going through uh, electricity. Cause before this doing car stuff, I, you said anything about electronics and I wanted to run the opposite freaking direction. Yeah. I was like, get me away from that crap. And then being in class with it, I was starting to understand it a little bit more, but I still had some roadblocks in some areas. And so then sitting down with, with Tom and Dave, who is a, a very gifted in electronic stuff, um, that, that helped a ton. And then since then I've, I've rewired a whole car and I've done a whole bunch of other stuff um at work that's been a, been a lot of you know little stuff but fun stuff um and so that's that's been instrumental and then and then gill has been extremely helpful as far as learning inspections through and through and learning landing gear and brakes and heck tomorrow i'm gonna go learn how to buck rivets and stuff like that oh, cool. on, on yeah. one, of our, one of our damaged aircraft from this past week so uh that's that's gonna be fun and i'm looking forward when i can get some uh, repayment of sorts on on my annual inspections yeah uh-huh. yeah i'm sure that's how it's gonna go yeah all right well folks thanks uh you know thanks for listening and um you know if you have any questions or comments uh shoot them to us planes at flywildblue.com is the email uh, our uh, our phone is 888-773-4249 
And, uh, you know, if you want to talk to Ethan, give me a call and we'll we'll get that set up as well. But thanks again. Make sure you subscribe and share. E-Man, love you, buddy. Love you too. Thank, thank you, you for, for doing me. this. Yeah, it's been you. fun. Yeah. yeah, this is a blast. I'm happy I did it. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.